0: Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz podcast at thehuddle.com with your hosts, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Blitz Podcast, and not just any old episode, but our week one episode. That means that Harley and I, hey Harley, speaking of which, how hey, you Hey, how's it going? It's good, man. Draft season's over. The season's ready to start, and we're ready to get back into our normal routine where we'll have a segment high- highlighting what somebody should look to do fantasy-wise, and then our DSF plays. or as DSF? I, oh, DSF. DFS, or as I'm going to call them, PSVs. Instead of a PSA, it's going to be our PSVs, our, our pay-ups, stayaways, and value plays. Um, we'll have that segment for people starting this week. So, um, look, preseason, we kind of tried to work some kinks out. Looks like I didn't do such a good job. Um, we did some drafting, right? We did some best ball drafting. We did some auctions. We did some Scott Fishbowl stuff. And, you know, we had a good time getting here. Now it's let's focus on the season.
0: Yeah, now, now is when we get down to brass tacks. And certainly uh, now is when it really matters what you do. I mean, certainly draft season is fun. And a, a lot of people might even say that draft season is the best part of any fantasy football season because you're getting together with people that you may or may not have seen uh, over a period of year, period of years, period of months. And you're Feels like getting years. a chance to sit down and enjoy some food. And, and because of the way the world has been over the last two years, it's quite possible that some of your local or your home leagues, you may not have seen your league mates over the
1: last two years. Yeah. And hey, there's some guys I don't want to see in a couple more years, quite honestly. But that's another <laughs> story. That's for another story. I'll tell you something that I don't want to wait another couple years for, and that's this week's Blitzed Podcast News.
0: Thank you, Steve. Former New York Giants wide receiver Benny Fowler was recently quoted that Daniel Jones – has all of the same qualities as Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Well, I mean, he is somewhat right. All three of them have two arms, two legs, a head, relatively decent hair, and I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that all three have male genitalia. But other than that, I'm sorry, Benny. That is where the comparison should end. I mean, what are we going to pretend next? that you have all the same qualities as an NFL wide receiver. (laughs) Also in Giants news, the team announced that former NFL quarterback Mike Kafka will be calling the plays on offense this season. Kafka, hmm. This could be a really smart decision for this franchise because they are definitely in need of a metamorphosis. (laughs) The Dallas Cowboys have ruled out Michael Gallup for week one's matchup with the Buccaneers. This leaves only CeeDee Lamb and Noah Brown, who is nursing a toe injury of his own, as the only experienced wide receivers suiting up for this game. They will also have at their services rookie Jalen Tolbert. At this point, I have to assume that the team wishes they still had Amari Cooper. Of course, after Cooper realizes that Jacoby Brissett is no Dak Prescott, he may be wishing he was a cowboy again, too. (laughs) The Philadelphia Eagles claimed 2021 preseason popular pick Trey Sermon off waivers from San Francisco this weekend. I feel really bad for Sermon as he goes from one convoluted running back room to another. I guess all that is left for Sermon to do is to be waived again and picked up by the Patriots. (laughs) And finally, Chris Godwin is reportedly practicing without his knee brace and is trending towards suiting up for Tampa Bay this weekend against Dallas. The bad news for Tampa Bay is that Chris Godwin does not play on the offensive line. This has been your BPN News Update.
1: A few burns in there, a few burns in there, my man. This, it's still summer, so I guess people should have their, sun, their um, sunscreen on. Exactly. So, you know, we don't have Gallup Week 1. Overall, though, overall, actually let me ask this question so when you're looking at twitter and you see the trending and you see a player's name what is your first thought
0: well i i'm concerned either he suffered a practice injury or i yeah. uh, he spouted off something at a coach or there was a fight in camp or if it's antonio brown he's running naked naked through the middle of the field you, you never know really right yeah
1: my fear is always that somebody suffered a season ending injury and then it's like okay you, you like the trepidation you clear, oh okay they're just hyping him up got it um <laughs> Surprisingly, I don't think we had many major injuries this preseason. No, oh, well, I to find some wood. wood. Now, of course, you yeah. cursed uh, each of our teams here. <laughs> there you go, find some wood to knock on. Okay.
0: Oh, because yeah, I mean, it does seem like in previous seasons there have been one or two major preseason injuries, and uh, I mean, yeah, we really haven't seen that this year. I mean, and maybe it's just that the injuries we've seen have not been to quote-unquote fantasy players or fantasy relevant players. But that doesn't mean that those injuries don't have a relevant tie to fantasy. When you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again, they're down four or five offensive linemen uh, on their depth chart right now. They're going to be starting second and third string guys week one. Now, we knew that was going to be a passing offense to begin with, but that does not bode well for Leonard Fournette's chances to move the ball on the ground there at all. He's going to be have to be involved very much to the passing game, at, at both catching passes and also helping block.
1: Yeah, that is true. Okay, so listen, we're going to get to the point where we're going to move into our normal segments now. So this week we're going to talk a little bit about how to make your lineup decisions in week one, right? Yes. And then we're going to move into DFS, not DSF, but DFS, and our PSVs. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do that, I want to put you on the spot, um, and for our listeners. Harley and I don't discuss what we're going to be talking about in advance. Now, we did say, okay, we're going to talk about lineup um, submissions in week one and and DFS, but that's it. No other specifics or anything like that. Um, One bold call. You can make make one bold call for this NFL season. It could be fantasy-related or non-fantasy-related. What are you saying?
0: Ooh. That really put me on the spot there uh, because I want to say something just – profound and unique that's non-fantasy related that's going to be an important changing to the world type of thing to say but i really don't have that in me to figure that out this quickly on the spot so i'm going to say my profound guess for this season is that a team like the houston texans or the detroit lions or the jacksonville jaguars a team that's been a perennial also ran will be in the race to win their division come week 16, 17, and 18.
1: Wow. Well, you're really going to like my my bold prediction then. I actually tweeted it out a little bit before we recorded this actual show. We are recording on Monday late afternoon, I'd say. Well, it's around 4 or 5 o'clock, something like that. I lose track of time. Um, it's 4.43. So my bold prediction, the Chicago Bears make the playoffs this year. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, uh, um, are, we, are we talking like the collegiate playoffs? Because they did expand to 12 teams now.
1: Nope, we are talking NFL playoffs. Uh,
0: I'm not even sure the Chicago Bears would make it to the 12-team collegiate playoff, but that's a whole story.
1: I mean, look, you just said the Jaguars, Lions, and Texans should be in the playoff hunt to win their division.
0: Well, All three of those teams are kind of on the upswing right now. I, I have a feeling the Bears are more... Uh, uh, digging a hole to go into hibernation for the winter?
1: I don't know. They've got theirself a nice, solid running back and a backup in Khalil Herbert, right? And yes. And Darnell Mooney's everybody's love child this year in fantasy drafts. Um, they've got an up-and-coming tight end in Cole Kmet. If Justin Fields puts it together, he's as electric as anybody running the ball and, and big play opportunities. We've got Roquan Smith. Maybe he's not very happy, but he's manning the middle of that defense. Um, crazier things have happened.
0: Well, they did import a management team from Kansas City, so that helps them, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think they're changing the culture there. I do. I think that they're going to surprise. Look, there was a few years ago when I said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to win their division or make the playoffs, one of those two. And it was before Tom Brady was there, and I was a year early. I was a year early. So you never know. Maybe I'll be a year early on the Bears, but hey, stranger well, things. Well, I will see this:
0: I would like to see. I'd like to see what Vegas has the Bears at to a make the playoffs, let so alone win a game in the playoffs. Because that would have to be some pretty good money for you to put down right now.
1: Yeah, I think they're over-under on wins is somewhere around six, six and a half.
0: Is it that high?
1: It might be five, five and a half, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm calling for him to win. I think that the Packers are going to be the most disappointing team in the league this year. I don't know why. I just I don't like uh, – okay, is Alan Lazard going to be the one to step up? Sammy's September going to be the one to step, step up? There's just too many damn questions on there to think that Rodgers can put the whole team on his back and carry it without having – the playmakers that he needs. Maybe Lazard is a guy, and he proves it this well, year. I don't know.
0: No, Knowing your uh, your team constructs for some of your drafts that we've talked about in the last couple episodes, I know you're not going to be happy to know that the team that I think is going to be the most disappointing this year is the San Francisco 49ers.
1: Yeah, you're right. That that's, Yeah, because I think San Francisco is going to I, – I had a hard time picking who's going to be my most disappointing team, but I wound up going with the Los Angeles Rams, thinking that there's some Super Bowl hangover that still – hits the NFL, and they may not even make the playoffs this year.
0: Oh, I, I absolutely totally agree with you on that standpoint, too. Again, I, I think there's being a lot of uh, a lot of under-the-tongue coaches speak regarding Stafford's injury situation, too.
1: Yeah, that's very possible. Listen, let's get into it. This was going to be a quick segment, I think, because, well, let's just look. People have drafted. They spent all their time researching. And now they're looking at their lineups, trying to figure out who to start and who to sit. Are you sitting people like Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey? Those kind. Of, are you are you sitting any studs this week?
0: No. If you spent a first, uh, well, I'll say first four round capital on a player, I don't think there's any way you can conceivably bench them this this first week. Uh, you can certainly look at some of the matchups and think the matchups aren't very good. I mean. Would I normally start a running back against Tampa Bay? Uh, i definitely have to think twice about that. And again, this week it's Ezekiel Elliott getting Tampa Bay. And we know that Dallas is already shorthanded in their passing game. We might see Tony Pollard playing some wide receiver uh, snaps at the slot. All that really means, though, is that means that Zeke is going get, to get most of the touches out of the backfield still. Right. So, again, you don't like the matchup. You probably spent a third-round pick or maybe even a late second-round pick on Zeke but you're still starting them.
1: Yeah. And the thing is we can think what we're going to see in the regular season, but we don't know until it starts going and it will get shaped by injuries and things like that. Right. Um, it it takes a good two, three weeks before you know who's a real good matchup and who's a bad matchup. And it, it does change from season, from season to season, year to year, et cetera. So for me, yeah, I'm not sitting any studs. I'm not overthinking it. If you spend a high pick on a quarterback, then guess what? Live with your high pick on your quarterback, especially in week one. Um, if you've,
0: you know, or better yet, be like Steve and I and just don't waste a high pick on a quarterback.
1: Exactly. I was going to say, now, if you didn't and you went zero quarterback and you're playing, you're planning on streaming, then, yeah, look for who you think has the best matchup, whether they're at home or it's a high-scoring game and use the Vegas totals, those types of things to help you. But unless you're in a six-team league, you're not sitting guys like that. Not this week. Don't do it. Don't overthink it. That should be. This should be the easiest week to set a lineup barring an injury designation. And let's add that if you have a flex position to make sure that you're putting your later players in that flex position so that you can swap them out if need be.
0: Yeah, I think maybe the only format where I'd be hesitant to play someone with a really horrible matchup in week one would be like in a guillotine format where, I mean, every every week you lose a team. So you you just have to make sure you're not the not the last place team every week. It's the old, if you and five guys are being chased by a bear in the woods, you just can't be the slowest person. Right. Uh, So in those formats, then maybe I might look at at, at a matchup uh, where it's like a a guy like Zeke, again, knowing that it's the very, very low ceiling game. And if I've got a reasonable running back three that I can put in for him, I might do it there. But again, it's hard to bench your studs, but it's...
1: You're using Zeke in the same breath as McCaffrey and Barkley and Mixon, and I don't. I don't. I mean, so... You're right. It's when you get to that running back two, three, possibly that that's where you may look at doing some different things. But you're not doing that with your your number one position at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, more than likely. Tight end, maybe. No, if def- you're doing definitely
0: straight. not wide receiver. Definitely not the not running. Back. Definitely not running back one. Right. But yeah, there, there's some running back ones with bad matchups this week. I, I don't love Aaron Jones's matchup against Minnesota and their rebuilt interior their defense. Uh, plus, you get the split there with AJ Dillon. Uh, We'll talk about a couple of the other guys that we don't like when we get into the DFS segment. I'm sure, but uh, it, yeah, it you you've spent a high draft pick on these guys. Uh, So unless you're unless you're in a guillotine format where you're in danger of losing this week and being done for the season, don't overthink it. Listen, start your studs.
1: I, I agree with you. And here's the thing: you drafted them, you play them, especially early in the season. And if you don't want to play them, then go play DFS. And that's going to be my segue. Let's do it. Let's move into DFS. This is where we can say, don't play this guy. Because you know what? You don't own him or you don't have him rostered or anything like that. And you don't have to. Nobody's twisting your arm. You don't have any draft capital in him. You don't have to buy him at that rate. But for those that don't know, Harley and I are going to run through our DFS segment. We have payups at quarterback, wide receiver, running back and tight end. Then we have a stay away for each and a value play at each. Before we do this, like I said, Harley and I don't discuss this in advance. Um, Harley will usually set an over-under, and I will take a guess at what we will do comparative to that. So, Harley, week one, what's the over-under?
0: It's going to be low since this is the first week and we have all the teams playing. Uh, there's no bye weeks. Uh, there's like, like you said, there's still some not-so-sure about how defenses are going to be changed due to draft picks and free agent signees. I mean, obviously, we've seen the players who have been signed but we also have to take into account like changes in offensive philosophy, changes in coaching staff. I'm going to put the line at just four this week.
1: Four. That's a tough number, four. One at each. I think we get two there. It sounds like a push. I'm
0: going to take— That's what Vegas is always looking for. I'm going to
1: take <laughs> the over, and I'm begrudgingly taking the over. How's that? Okay. Start us off at the quarterback spot. Who are we paying up for at quarterback—
0: Okay. At quarterback is the gentleman that I've actually predicted as the top quarterback this year in our earlier segments. And I'm also taking him as my fantasy MVP for the season. And that's Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim. Uh, Herbert has faced Vegas four times in his career. He's averaging 311 yards per game. The total of 11 touchdowns against them this game is also setting up as a bit of a revenge game for the Chargers and Herbert, who were knocked out of the playoffs in the final week of last season.
1: Yep, and we have a match to start the season. Um, And to boot, it's in L.A., so he's not the most expensive quarterback on the board. He's up there. He's number two. and Actually, he's number two in DraftKings, and he's, I think, third in FanDuel. Third on
0: FanDuel, yes. So,
1: yeah, we have a match with Herbert at number one. Let's see if we can get another match here on who you stand away from.
0: Uh, I actually put a lot of thought into this one. I, I didn't hate any of the upper-tier quarterback matchups this week. Agreed. The guy I'm staying away from is Joe Burrow versus Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh actually has a pretty solid pass defense. And I'm concerned about the fact that Joe Burrow has missed pretty much the entire summer. Uh, parts of training camp and all of the preseason following his appendix surgery. Uh, maybe a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover there, too. Who knows? I I'd like Joe Burrow for the season. I don't love this as a first start, particularly when he's in the top uh, seven in pricing.
1: So I really thought we were going to have a second match there. Um, I'm not, I don't disagree with you on staying away from Burrow. Everything you said makes sense. I don't believe – in Pittsburgh, if they don't have an Achilles heel, it's not that defense. That's going to be their best thing this year. But not, I don't have high hopes for, for Pittsburgh this year. Anyway, I still agree with you on that call. But you know me. I look at the top the top values and salaries and say, well – You know, what? at that price and the question marks that Patrick Mahomes has going on the road to Arizona, I'm going to steer clear of Patty this week. Um, I want to see – I think that he's going to rely heavily on Kelsey. I think that things will mesh and we will look like we didn't even miss a beat once we lost Tyreek Hill there. But at the price, if I'm going to pay up for Herbert, I don't see the need to pay up for Mahomes. So I'm going to stay away from him just based on his price alone.
0: I can totally hear what you're saying there. The one thing I did look at is I believe that that game is going to turn into a shootout. Arizona has vastly improved the middle of their defensive backfield over the last couple of years. But their outside cornerbacks are are much weaker than they were a couple of years ago. So I think that Mahomes can definitely pick on the outside there. I think that uh, he's going to throw a couple of longer passes that's going to get involved. Marquez Velda's scantling early this season. He's actually one of my favorite sleepers this year because... Patrick Mahomes loves the deep ball and has not been a more successful deep ball rece- recipient of quarterback touchdown passes in the last five years than Marquez Valdes-Scantling.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, and that's all the stuff that I like about Patrick this, you know, but we haven't seen it happen to see if it's really going to gel because you got MVS that can go long. Juju Smith-Schuster, who should be able to sit right in it and, and, you know, a great value and a, and a great receiver for Mahomes. You have Kelsey who can always you know take on some added burden. Who knows what they're doing at running back. But for week one, I just I'd steer clear since we're not sure. And yeah, I could see it easily at turning what? into a shootout.
0: Again, though, you're, you're talking again, it's the highest priced quarterback on both sides. So yep. there's there's the price element involved in that. Obviously, too, there's the name Patrick Mahomes, and that there'll be a fair amount of people on Patrick Mahomes because he is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. When you look at Justin Herbert uh, the matchup may actually not seem quite as nice because Vegas last season actually had a pretty decent pass defense. But, again, Herbert has taken advantage of that team in their four career meetings, so that's what I think we both kind of sold on him as the yep. uh, best paid-up-for guy.
1: So so who's going to be your value play? I, I saw a couple guys that caught my eye, but I wound up going pretty cheap. Let's see if we can agree here possibly.
0: Well, I actually went really cheap too, although – uh the more I put into it and the more research I put into it, I'm like just like I kept like going back, do I really want to take this guy? Do I really want to take this guy? Because I'm a little concerned here. Uh I settled on a guy who doesn't have the greatest matchup, I don't think. And that's Jameis Winston at Atlanta. Uh overall, Atlanta has one of the worst defenses in the league, but they do have two fairly elite outside cornerbacks. Uh But New Orleans is likely to get Michael Thomas back this year, and Winston really hasn't had much time with him. They added Chris Olave in the draft. They brought in Jarvis Landry to be a possession receiver over the middle. They've got the pass catching back in Elvin Kamara there. So many weapons. Atlanta, again, they're going to roll up and die a little bit this season. I think that Winston might throw a couple picks in this game again because he's throwing against Cam Hayward and A.J. Terrell on the outside there. But I like Winston's chances to throw for three touchdowns at 300 yards at $5,300. That's a great deal.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I looked at him. He's very, very close to the guy that I picked as my value play. Um, actually, they're priced the same on – what is this one here? This DraftKings. They're both priced the same on DraftKings. Um, my guy's a little cheaper on FanDuel. On, um, um, no, it's not Baker Mayfield. It is Davis Mills, who I think is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Um, I actually can see him throwing for 4,000 plus yards and 25 to 30 touchdowns. Um, I think that the fact that he's at home, I don't know that it's going to be a super high scoring game, but I can still see him approaching 275 and three touchdowns. I think Brandon Cook has a big day um, with him. Damian Pierce, the rookie, of course, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Indy's got a solid defense, very solid defense, but it's on the road and it's in Houston. So, at that price, it's going to be hard not to get three times value from Davis Mills.
0: And Davis Mills, the second half of last season, once he started to get his oats underneath him, he looked every bit an NFL quarterback. eh? And and personally, going into this year, looking at second-year quarterbacks, I would rather have Davis Mills as one of my starters than Mac Jones, per se.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I absolutely can. The other thing I wanted to point out, I know you said Winston. What made me go to Mills instead of Winston was the fact that, Winston's on the road. Yes. I also Uh,
0: looking at uh, I was going to say one other guy I was looking at is a guy who is perennially maligned for his on the field quarterback skills, but who has also been perennially pretty solid from a fantasy standpoint. And That's Carson Wentz at home versus Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, he's going to be facing his old coach. So I have to wonder what's going to happen there. The guy I looked at a little bit higher priced than I considered, um, who I think is going to be in a shootout, is David Carr. He's still, he's sub 6,000 on. David Carr was
0: still in Houston then, huh? Yeah, I'm
1: sorry. Derek Carr. (laughs) ah.
0: Everyone drink.
1: Yep, there you go. Derek Carr, he's 5,900 on DraftKings, which isn't bad. A little bit higher on the FanDuel side at at 7,400. But at 5,900, if you want to save a little bit of money at quarterback, I wouldn't hate that play.
0: I I wouldn't either, again. uh, We're we're talking once again about two teams that have extremely good offenses and two teams that also have uh, much better defenses than you might think, uh, especially against the pass. But, uh, again, we chose Justin Herbert. If we think Herbert is going to have a big game, then for the Las Vegas Raiders to stay in the game, that means that Derek Carr is also going to have to be a big game. Now, an interesting uh, way to look at this is, uh, if you're playing on a daily fantasy site such as Fanball where you're able to roster two quarterbacks or any any fan uh, Fan duel game that has super flex for an option, or even if you do a showdown game uh, on DraftKings, look at lineups involving both get both of those guys in there because if it does turn into the shootout we're predicting, they're both going to produce a lot of points.
1: Right. Okay. Let's run on over to running back. We still only have one, so we've got we've got to hit at least four more to go over.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, we're calling this the pay-up section of the pay-to-play segment. So I'm going to go ahead and pay-to-play for the most expensive player on the board, and that's Jonathan Taylor, 9,100 on DraftKings, 10,200. Only player above 10,000 on either site uh, against Houston on the road. Uh, Now, when I'm looking at this here, Houston allowed the most rushing yards last season. Uh, They have improved their team some, but not nearly enough to change the fact that Jonathan Taylor has averaged 125 yards per game in four career games against the Texans. Uh, He scored in every single game he's faced Houston in his career. Uh, You've probably got a floor that's only affected by how many snaps Naheem Hines is going to get in this game. Yes. But again, if this turns into a game where Davis Mills is able to keep the Houston offense going in this, and we end up having a little bit higher scoring game, are we really going to see that much more Naheem Hines, or is that just going to mean more touches for Jonathan Taylor?
1: Fair. So let me ask you something. Would a line of, say, 140 and one with four catches for 40 yards be something that you'd be happy with getting from Jonathan?
0: I would expect more catches, but yes.
1: How many more catches?
0: I'd say probably three catches.
1: So I said four catches for 40. You, you, you think. Well, oh, I'm,
0: I'm sorry. I thought you said one catch for 40. Sorry. No,
1: no, no, no. So that, okay. So you thought I said one, you said plus three. So you got him at four catches, right? So four yep. for 40. Well, here's the problem with that, Mr. Schultz. That gets you 28 points, which is a little better than tw- than three times at DraftKings, but it sure doesn't hit three times at FanDuel. It doesn't
0: hit three times at FanDuel. No, you're correct.
1: So anyway, I'm going to digress and I'm going to say that I'm going to pay up for a guy who is currently healthy. And when healthy, he is the undisputed number one running back in the land, and you might as well pay up for him while you can. So give me Christian McCaffrey at a discount of eighty five hundred, ninety five hundred, who's got an easier path to that three times value than Jonathan Taylor does.
0: When is the last time it, that he's been a healthy and been under ten thousand on, dollars on either site or both sites? Right? It just doesn't happen very often. So So take you're advantage right. of it take when take advantage can. of it now. Uh, I think that McCaffrey, uh, I don't think he's got anything to like draw targets away from him really this year. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how comfortable uh, Baker Mayfield is getting him the ball. But obviously, Baker Mayfield liked to throw the ball to Kareem Hunt in Cleveland. So I would argue Christian McCaffrey is a better receiving back than Kareem Hunt. Yep. No, 8,500 on DraftKings, 9,500 on FanDuel makes McCaffrey a nice play. Again, obviously, both of those guys are big names, so they're going to have fairly high ownership, uh, particularly if players decide, oh, well, I'm going to put Damian Pierce in for really, really cheap as my running back two and then get a really, really expensive running back one. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, what that can lead to then is, is higher ownership ratios on those two guys. So if you want to maybe go down the list a little bit and find someone with a little bit less ownership, you might consider a guy like Alvin Kamara. Again, we talked a little bit about how Atlanta's defense is not very good, particularly against the run. Um, Everyone's darling this offseason, DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia, sort of same thing. Their defense is better against the pass than the run. And and even Derrick Henry coming off the injury, I think he's going to have a lower ownership rate than both McCaffrey and Taylor.
1: Yes, I don't disagree with that, actually. I was very close to saying Derek, here, but I just—I'm sorry. I see Christian McCaffrey sub ten thousand dollars, third highest priced running back on the board. I'm going to pound the table for him. And that leads me to, we already kind of touched on it, Jonathan Taylor is actually going to stay away. So if I'm going to pay up for McCaffrey, I'm going to stay away from the highest price guy when I think I'm going to get similar output. So I gave you a line for for Jonathan, and you said, yeah, that sounded good. Um, what about something like 80 rushing, one touchdown, seven catches for 80 yards for McCaffrey? Does that seem doable?
0: Yes, uh, I think it is. I I think that he's going to score at least once in this game, so I think that's a, a kind of a floor line for him.
1: Okay, so you're talking that's 29 points, so he hits three times value at that stat line at both places. Yes. So there you go. All right, who are you staying away from?
0: Uh, I'm going to stay away from James Conner versus Kansas City. Uh, I talked a little bit earlier in talking about the quarterback situation there and the passing game. I thought this was going to be a little bit more high-scoring of a game, and when I think high-scoring game Obviously, you want players from both sides in there. Well, the only problem is James Conner. He scores a lot of touchdowns, but he doesn't do very much else. Plus, the team added Eno Benjamin. Uh, they, should, they brought back Eno Benjamin. They added Darrell Williams, the former Kansas City guy, who was probably going to get some revenge game touches here this week. Uh, you also have to assume there's going to be TD regression, though, for James Conner this year. He had 18 touchdowns last year, but he only had three games with more than 100 total scrimmage yards. You can't continue to perform like that and and, and be this prolific of a touchdown scorer unless your the rest of your offense continues to stall out at the one or two-yard line
1: constantly. So the fantasy gods are actually trying to stifle you, and they're trying to cancel you, I guess, um, because when you said TD regression— Skype said, So so the users couldn't tell that you said TD regression. It took me a second to concentrate. What did he say? What did he say? He said, TD regression fantasy gods don't believe that. So they're not letting you say it. Go ahead.
0: 18 touchdowns last year for a guy, three games with more than 100 total yards from scrimmage on the season. He averaged under four yards per carry. That's not elite running back status. That is road grinder status. That is, Leroy Horde status. Uh, This is a guy who is going to get a a few touchdowns this year, but he's also going to start to lose carries. I think, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near the workload he did last season. And in this game, if the ball is being aired out by both teams, those points are going to come through the passing games, through Kyler Murray, through Patrick Mahomes, not through James Conner.
1: Understood. Okay. Um, Go ahead and let's let's. Well, no, I don't want you to do that yet. Let me ask you a couple questions before you give your value play. Yes. Is Cordarrelle Patterson? Would you consider him the the running back one or the backup?
0: In Atlanta? Yes. I I think I, he has to be the running back one.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, J.K. Dobbins is running back one, but he's injured, may not play, right?
0: James. Very Bro- good chance he's not going to play.
1: James Robinson. No, nobody under knows how. Healthy he's going to be to start the season, right? How effective because of the injury he's coming back from. Um,
0: I, I'm guessing that if he does play, it's going to be on a very limited stat basis. It's going to be Travis Atien's offense to start okay. the season for Jacksonville.
1: A.J. Dillon, he's the backup, right?
0: He's the backup, but he might be the better back there.
1: Okay. Ramondre Stevenson, he's the backup, right?
0: The same situation. He's the backup, but I would say he is definitely the better back there.
1: Okay. And Jamal Williams, he's clearly a backup. Yes. J.D. McKissick, another backup, right?
0: Uh, if you talk to fans of the Washington Commanders, there are many of them clamoring for him to be the starter in lieu of the Brian Robinson injury. But, uh, yes, technically J.D. McKissick is still the backup. And he's more of a, a third-down back, receiving back specialist, Naheem Hines-esque guy.
1: Yep. Jeff Wilson, Michael Carter, Naeem Hines, they're all backups, right? Yes. Okay. Go ahead and give me your value play.
0: My value play falls right below that threesome you just put there. And that's Kenyon Drake at 5,000 on DraftKings, 5,700 on FanDuel. Uh, Baltimore is facing the New York Jets. And say what you want, the New York Jets ridiculously improved their defense thanks to this draft this year. Improvements on all three levels of their defense in early picks during this year's draft. But it's still the New York Jets and it's still Baltimore. Baltimore is going to run the ball a lot this game. Uh, Their passing offense is still a little shaky. Uh, headlined by Rashad Bateman, who is still kind of unproven as a wide receiver one. Don't have a lot of wide receiver two options there. Well, obviously, uh, Mike Davis has been with the team in camp for longer than Kenyon Drake has. Drake just signed this past week after being cut uh, by Vegas. But Kenyon Drake is an eminently more talented running back than Mike Davis. He's also capable of catching passes out of the backfield, which is something Mike Davis cannot do. So, again, give me Kenyon Drake over Mike Davis. I think they're both great values. And the best part about choosing one of the two of them is you're not going to be playing Damian Pierce, which would 75% of the rest of the million-maker teams are going to have in their lineup.
1: You know, I really thought we were going to match at, at the value play. I don't dislike anything you just said about Kenyon Drake. Um, he was a late-round late, late um, round draft pick that I would I would try to focus on. But the guy I'm going for, I really thought you were going to go with him. I really did. I thought we had a match here. Um, He's only a couple hundred dollars more than Chase Edmonds. There are actually some backups that are priced higher than him, i.e. A.J. Dillon's higher than this guy. There's other backups that are priced the same at one site and only $100 less at another site um, or within a couple hundred dollars here and there. And that is Chase Edmonds at home. Yes, it's New England Patriots he's facing, but it's not your father's New England Patriots. And it's in Miami. Miami's an improved team. And, and I really think that Chase Edmonds, in shallow leagues where people may have not, you know, drafted him or he could absolutely, if he's on waivers, which would be shocking, but in some of those, you know, less than committed type leagues, um, you might find him on the, on a waiver wire and he could be a big pickup. But in any event, Chase Edmonds is a huge value, I think, at 5,200,
0: 5,800. I 100% agree. I absolutely love Chase Edmonds this week as well. I think he's a, Another great option if you're if you're going in that same category. And like mm-hmm. I said, I, I think you'll notice that both of us avoided taking Damian Pierce. Again, I, I want to beat 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 people over the head that when you're setting your lineups this week for DFS, not for Realty, for DFS, don't play Damian Pierce this week. Because everyone else is going to play Damian Pierce this week. Yep. Maybe throw like one or two lineups with him in there just to say you did it. Don't be that guy. Come on, you, you know you're not going to win a huge prize with Damian Pierce in your lineup because everybody else will have Damian Pierce in their lineup too. Uh, I do like Chase Edmonds a lot. The only reason I didn't choose Chase Edmonds this week is because I there's just so many mouths to feed there right now. I'm not sure how the split is going to be both in the passing versus run game, but also in the run versus run game with him there and. Uh, Miles Gaskin's still there, and uh, well, is Raheem Mostert going to suit up for the game? We don't know yet.
1: <laughs> what is Bill famous for doing? Taking out your key player. He's not focusing on Chase. He's fo- focusing on Tyreek. And then you got Jalen Waddell and you got Kasecki. I think that opens up the field for Chase to have that game. Um, it may not all be just because of running. He's going to be involved in the passing game, too. Um, but at that price, he won't be that price very long once the season gets going.
0: And again, Edmonds has a lot of talent. Uh, The fact that he's bounced around is really not a testament to Edmonds' talent level as much as the situations he's found himself in. This is truly the best situation Edmonds has found himself in, in terms of establishing himself as a true number one running back. And for the season, I love Chase Edmonds. He's one of my best sleeper picks. I absolutely like to come out of any given draft or auction having him on my roster because I think he's going to be one of those guys who's going to be a borderline running back one by the end of the year.
1: I don't disagree with you about that. I've got a lot of regret that I did not get. I don't think I got any chase this year. Um, And it's regrettably so quite honestly, it's one of those things I can look back on and say, yep, screwed the pooch on that one. Um, Okay. So we are only at one match through two full positions, long way to go for an uphill battle to hit the over. Start us off at wide receiver. Who are you paying up for?
0: Well, I paid up for the highest-priced running back. I'm also going to pay up for the highest-priced receiver. Now, obviously, in reality and daily fantasy, doing both of those things is very, very hard, unless you spend down and get a guy like Jameis Winston at quarterback. (laughs) But I I really like Devontae Adams this week. We talked earlier about how we think this might be a shootout between Vegas and the Chargers. Uh, Devontae is obvious. He's got the ties uh, with Derek Carr, so this is going to be our first chance to see them showcasing their longstanding relationship. And Devontae Adams is just arguably one of the most talented receivers in football right now.
1: So I don't disagree with you. We actually have a match, so we do have a second. Um, Initially, my gut was looking at Justin Jefferson because he's priced a little bit less, right? $300 less on DraftKings and $400 less on FanDuel. But I do think that the fact that Justin could have higher ownership over Devontae – is and, and in this game, I do think that the Raiders will want to make a point, and they will lean on Adams. And that's why I also like Carr as a possible value play because you could stack them that way, right? Yes. Um, I, I think Devon, you don't go wrong with either one, Devontae or Justin Jefferson in this instance, but we got to match it, Devontae Adams.
0: Well, and when we get a little further down the list here, I'll explain to you maybe why I didn't choose Justin Jefferson.
1: Okay. Then I think I might know where you're going on a value play, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Who are you staying away from?
0: I'm going to stay away from Debo Samuel at Chicago. Uh, Samuel is an incredibly talented receiver, but his knee is dinged up right now, and they're playing on a field that's traditionally being crappy shape. Uh, it was so bad this preseason that the Bears' own kicker didn't want to practice on it because the field was so torn up and beat up. The field is... Just never been good, and it's not going to be good for this first week. Uh, it's already ahead of the progress of being bad, which usually it starts to get worse right around late October, early November. Yep. It's already at that level of badness. Last season, only six teams threw for more than 200 yards against Chicago. Again, obviously, things have changed. Chicago's defense is actually worse, so there's a chance that they might be better. But San Francisco isn't a passing team. They're a run-first team. And Trey Lance is probably going to prove to be a more running quarterback than a passing quarterback. So when you've got Elijah Mitchell and you've got Jeff Wilson and you've got Trey Lance carrying the ball, I don't see the team running Debo Samuel as much this season, which automatically lowers his value somewhat. But I also don't see him playing a lot of snaps going on the outside if his knee's not 100% and they're playing on crap.
1: Yep, I don't disagree with that. Um, I do think that. San Francisco limits the amount of times Debo does carry the ball this year to try and keep him healthy. And like I said, there's not necessarily going to be a need. And a lot of those runs, I believe, wind up going to Trey Lance. Um, But my stay away is Tariq Hill. I kind of hinted at it earlier when I was talking about New England and what Bill does well. Hmm. Um, I just can't see Bill letting Hill – beat them and, and they've got Jalen Wallace who so don't have to force it but he'll still open up the defense somewhat so from a fantasy standpoint yeah, he's a little cheaper 68 7700 I just don't see the the reason the risk that you know what he does break off a couple of good long ones for touchdowns and has a, a respectable day um and just I think he's probably one of the riskier guys in the top 10 honestly at the wide receiver position this week one
0: well, again you also have to look at the fact that you got Tyreek Hill, who's priced 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 on DraftKings. He's priced 5th uh, on FanDuel. Uh, that's really not taking into account the fact that he's going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa. Right. And all of a sudden, he also has to contend with targets going to Jalen Waddle, too.
1: Yep. And, yes, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. I do think Mike Gusecki's the, the mouth that's out. But, I, yeah, just week one, I'm, I'm steering clear of Hill.
0: Well, you, you kind of hinted at who my value play might be, and it is true. I am going to take K.J. Osborne versus Green Bay. Minnesota is going to throw the ball a lot this year under new head coach Kevin McConnell. Now, here's the thing. Minnesota has two stud receivers in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Both are pretty much like top 14, 15 guys. Justin Jefferson might be top two or three. Uh, the problem is Green Bay has two studs cornerbacks in the returning Jair Alexander and uh, young Eric Stokes. Those two will be manning Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen throughout this game. Now is Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen both going to have decent games? Yes, still. But the problem is if you have to double team, one of those two guys, probably Jefferson with your safety, that leaves nobody on the field to cover KJ Osborne and KJ Osborne has looked really, really good both uh, late last season and this preseason in his ability to mesh with Kirk Cousins.
1: Don't hate it, that's for sure we don't have a match, but I don't hate it. And we're going to have to sweep the tight end position to get the over. Um my value play is much cheaper than yours. Um I did look at a couple guys. Um I wound up going with Zay Jones out of the slot in Jacksonville <laughs> at 4151. 4, 100, <coughs> 100. Um doesn't take much to get your your three times value there. Um, I did look at um, Nicole Hardman. I did look at Sammy September, um, who was priced a little higher than what I would, would have liked to have seen. Um, I even looked at, now I can't remember his name, um, Sterling Shepard in, in New York um, with the Giants. But I wound up staying on Zay Jones, who was a good, he was a target of mine late in drafts. Um, won't be shiny, you know, make people feel all warm and fuzzy. But I like Zay as a, as a guy that you can put in that lineup and help to get some other other salaries in.
0: I, I like Zay Jones a lot this year. I think that's a good good thought on that pick there. Another thing to think about when you're putting together your value wide receiver, let's say you want to go ridiculous at running back. Let's say you want to take Taylor and McCaffrey or Henry and McCaffrey or some ridiculous big money stack at, at running back position. Then what you do is you do the stack at quarterback wide receiver with your sleeper, Davis Mills, and one of my personal favorite sleepers for the season, Nico Collins. Yep.
1: I looked at Nico. I like Nico a lot, too. Um, Devin DuVernay is another guy that's really cheap that that I don't think he's got as good a hit rate as what you could possibly see with Nico, but I like him also.
0: Well, I also, kind of, in that same range, I also like Brian Edwards from Atlanta. Atlanta's going to have to throw the ball to stay in this game, and uh, uh, New Orleans has a couple of issues on their outside cornerback situation. They traded one of their guys away, and now they're a little shorthanded because another guy's hurt. Uh, obviously, when you're covering Atlanta, you're going to concentrate on covering one man, and that man is Kyle Pitts. So that should leave open the opportunity for uh, Mr. Mr. Edwards to get free a little bit there.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's move it on over to tight end and, and get this thing wrapped up. Who are you going to pay up for at the tight end position?
0: Uh, I had a hard time here. I really did. I, I like all of the higher-priced tight ends this week. Um, I just I just kept looking, and I'm like, well, I like this. I like this. I settled on a guy, TJ Hawkinson versus Philadelphia. He's a little cheaper than the higher-priced tight end options this week. But he's facing the team that allowed the most tight end touchdowns last season in Philly. He also allowed the most receptions to the position last year. And, well, I did Detroit is obviously better on offense this year. They've got a few more weapons to throw to. <clears throat> Hawkinson is the best familiar with Jared Goff.
1: Man, I don't hate the play, but Colin Hawk sub five grand a payup. up. My God, come on. Doing it already.
0: He's the sixth highest priced guy.
1: Oh, come on. It's all relative. Um, So, for me, yeah, there is the the top price guys um, that are all over five grand at least. How's that? Um, Had a hard time deciphering between. So, I look at Mark Andrews and I go, well, he's a little bit more than Travis Kelsey on DraftKings, a little less on FanDuel. And remember, I said I was a little concerned about what's going to happen in Kansas City and how's Pat going to gel. Minimally, I'm not worried about Kelsey. He could have his biggest year yet. I don't care that he's a year older. So, I'm going to pay up for Travis Kelsey this week. Um, I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to say, "Well, I want Kelsey on DraftKings. I don't want to do Andrews on Vandals so I can save a hundred there and spend a, and save a, save two hundred on DraftKings instead." But for me, I'm paying up for Travis Kelsey.
0: I, I see nothing wrong with that. Again, like so I like uh, several of the high-priced guys this week. Both Andrews and Kelsey have very good matchups. Not great matchups, but very good matchups. I, I kind of hinted away from Kelsey a little bit because one of the strengths I feel with Arizona is their safeties. Uh, a little bit more so than their uh, outside cornerbacks, which are very weak right now. But, it's again, Arizona has had problems in the past. So Yeah. <coughs> I it is Kelsey.
1: I think Kelsey and Andrews are by far the safest plays this week. Um, but pay up, I'll save a little bit of money. I'll pay up for Kelsey. Who are you staying away from?
0: Uh, the one name in the high-priced guys that stood out to me as the guy that I really wanted to stay away from is Darren Waller. Uh, 5,400 on DraftKings, 7,000 on FanDuel. Uh, Chargers, they were bad against tight ends last season, too. But Waller now has to contend with Devontae Adams stealing touches and and those red zone targets, not to mention the returning Hunter Renfro. Uh, I don't see any how, any way, any form where Darren Waller reaches this level of value any week, let alone week one at $7,000 on FanDuel.
1: I can understand that, but no, there's another guy that I looked at that's, well, you know what? I probably missed this. He's more on draft Kings. He's less on FanDuel. I probably should say that I would split it, but I wrote this down. Um, George Kittle. I love Kittle, but there's, you know, you just don't know how is Trey Lance going to be in fair in his first week, especially against Chicago on the road, bad field, all that stuff that you said. And at 5,900, I think it's a no brainer to stay away from him when you've got so many other good options. Um, now looking at it, Fanduel. If I was going to split this, I probably would have said, you know what, at seven grand. I would stay away from Waller instead of Kittle. Um, but I'll stick my guns and say Kittle's the guy I'm staying to stay away from.
0: Excellent. He, that's an interesting situation with Kill there. Very often, when you see a player who, whose Fanduel price is equal to or lower than the DraftKings price, and in this case, it's very, very close. That makes Kittle very much a guy I want to target on FanDuel.
1: Interesting. Having a little bit of technical difficulty. My mic just shocked my chin. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Shock therapy because I'm picking the wrong guys, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Um, All right. So who's your value play at tight end?
0: Well, I had a hard time with this one too. There's a lot of guys I like that are values that I think are going to have decent weeks. Yeah. I, I, I've talked all season how I like Austin Hooper in Tennessee. I like uh, Hayden Hurst this week. Uh, but ultimately I settled on a guy who is relatively cheap, but he's gotten a lot. I mean, he's he's pimped out big time this preseason in terms of uh, getting publicity he's really popular in the draft community. But his price tag is still fairly cheap on DraftKings, and that's Cole Komet. Uh, somebody has to catch passes there other than Darnell Mooney. I think Cole Komet is going to be the guy. And again, 3700 on DraftKings. That's half the price of the high-priced guys. He might not score a touchdown, but if he gets the same number of targets, getting 6-60, six and 7-70 seven seems very reliable and possible for Komet.
1: So I did look at Komet. He's not my value play. Um, I just don't like that he's facing that San Francisco defense on that turf that we talked about you talked about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. There's a guy that's even cheaper than Komet that I like, but he's really risky, so I didn't go with him. I- I'll mention him in a second, though. Um, the guy that I'm going for is one of the guys I really like this year, um, and. He's got a quarterback that has shown a penchant for throwing to the tight end position. He's got all the, you know, athletic ability in the world, and he doesn't really have anybody to, you know, try and fight him, especially at the tight end position, for for targets. So it's on the road. That's not great, but it's against a defense that doesn't – it's a little underwhelming to me. Um, David Njoku at $3,905,000 against the Carolina Panthers.
0: I see you're questioning the Carolina defense. I love the Carolina defense this year. So uh, I I do agree. I think David Njoku is going to have a decent week this week, mainly because they don't have a ton of weapons truly developed there yet. Obviously, Amari Cooper is going to be the featured pass catcher for Cleveland this week and most of the season. But I think that what we'll see this week is him struggling to connect with both David Bell and Donovan Peoples-Jones, which means he's going to have to rely on Kareem Hunt out of the backfield in addition to David Njoku. Uh, I just I like Carolina's defense so much that I just, I had to itch him a little bit further down my list than I wanted to. But so, all season all season long, don't get me wrong. I love I love David Njoku and I think he's gonna have a very good season.
1: So don't get me wrong, I don't dislike Carolina. I don't dislike I don't I don't like them as a defense defense as much as I do San Francisco and have to say I'd rather not face them. Uh, But they can get after the passer, and I think that that leads itself to some quicker routes and quicker dump-offs, which will benefit Njoku also. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options at at the tight end position this week where I think you can—
0: Yeah, the the values, again, are are really, really deep this week. I mean, you take a chance on a guy like Moeli Cox and he versus Houston. I mentioned Hayden Hurst. I'm I'm loving Hayden Hurst all season long this year. So he's actually the type of guy that I want to get at the end of every single draft.
1: By the way, remember last week when we were we were recording the show and I said, "Well, I'm going to tell you the guy that I'm targeting, and hopefully this person doesn't hear me hear our, our show because I got four picks before it gets to me." Yeah, he got snaked right in front of me. Brevin Jordan. Um, I think he's also a sneaky play this week. And at 3100, 4800, can't <coughs> beat that either.
0: But he's a well, lot laugh, risky. La- a lot wh- risky. Laughing, laughing. Call that guy up and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Brevin Jordan too, but they just signed OJ Howard. You know, OJ Howard is going to get a chance to win that job."
1: Yep, I did see that actually. Um, <laughs> and that would make me quell my, my feelings about him. But because it's such a late signing, I think we, should, we still could see Brevin have a, a bigger impact in week one.
0: Oh, I, I loved Brevin Jordan. He was one of my huge breakout candidates for this year. And yeah, that really kind of took a dump on my cornflakes when I saw that news.
1: It, it could be, <laughs> you know what? It could be huge for OJ. I mean, Brevin could still stay in his role. Would you be shocked to see OJ uh, um, supplant um, Farrow Brown? Farrow Brown, yeah.
0: Oh, I, either of us could supplant Pharaoh Brown. Right, so he's just not so, talented.
1: So you take OJ Howard and put him in the legit um, tight end, inline tight end position, and then you got Brevin, who I think is going to see a lot more slot snaps. Um, God, say that fast ten times. That that's where some of his value is going to come in. So especially week one, I think he's a safer um, value play if you want to try and run him out there.
0: And if you want a really deep sneaky play, so I, I was pimping taking Cole Komet. And you, you want to save even more money and, and take a flyer on Chicago being forced to dump the ball off to a tight end? How about Ryan Griffin? He's looked really, really good in the preseason, and he's always had a bit of a nose for the end zone.
1: Yeah, you know, another guy I was thinking about, um, he's priced a little higher, though, if I can even find him on here, um, is maybe I don't see him on your list, actually, Foster Moreau. If you really are concerned with, you know, is Waller going to be limited because of the knee and all that kind of stuff? Foster could have two catches for two touchdowns for two yards. You never know.
0: Yeah. I always feel like there's a Tennessee tight end. that always seemed to do that. That's uh <laughs> yeah. is there some guy or, or uh, was it Lee Smith in Buffalo? Yeah. he would always catch like two passes all season or like he'd have three catches for negative one yard and, and somehow he'd have three touchdowns. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yep, that's that's that, oh, god, that's horrible. Well, you know what's not horrible? The we're not, it's not horrible that we're back to week one and we ran through and had a DFS segment for everybody, giving you our PSVs for the week. Um, do yourself a favor if you're not doing it already, follow Harley at nuclear Harley on Twitter. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. If you have not done so yet, do it and do it now. And by that, what I mean is sign up for the huddle.com and get that subscription in place, which is good for one calendar year. And look. It's Labor Day weekend. We're all probably gonna be a little bit like eh, hungover-ish or whatever. We gotta get ready for the final push for the regular season. And when you do that, just make sure you get this responsibility. Cheers.